You are listening to the Theologizing at Remedy podcast, a podcast of Remedy Church in Rock Hill, South Carolina. The design of the podcast is to help the people at Remedy Church connect theology with community, mission, and care. Welcome to Theologizing at Remedy. Uh, we're your hosts. Um, I'm Chris Miller, a pastor here at Remedy, and he's... Fudd Chambers, also pastor here at Remedy. And so uh, here we are, Fudd. We're going to talk about today... Um, wait, wait, wait. Oh, we're in the new Remedy Church podcast studios. We are. We're in. Uh, we're in. Uh, We've moved from the worship center into my office. We're in the office now with our official spaceship mics. It's all new. It's good. All right. So today's uh, topic is still. We're, we're going under. We're sticking with ecclesiology, the study of the church, like the knowledge of what the church is. Yes. And under that, we're looking at leadership, in particular elders or Mm -hmm. pastors, which is a synonymous term, um, overseers, overseers. All those are synonymous terms used in the Bible. Episcopos, Episcopos, Presbyteros, Presbyteros, Poimen, and all the other osses. Um, that's the Greek words for them. So, uh, let's talk about this a little bit. Um, I want to kick us off by reading a few passages that I would say give the job description of an elders, if you can call it that, right? A job. Um, it's not a job in the sense of like, you know, oh, here's our work. But it is like what we're called to as elders. So I'm going to read a couple of passages and react to it a little bit. And then you can read some other ones. And then we'll we'll kind of define what does it mean to be an elder here. So this first one is Acts 6, 1 through 2. It says, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, that's the Greek-speaking Jews, arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve, that's the apostles, the full number of the disciples, uh, sorry, they summoned the full number of the disciples and they said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Um, And let me read one other quick one and just react to these two. This is from Acts 20, 28. This is Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders, he's about to leave the church of Ephesus and go elsewhere on his missionary journeys. And he's giving kind of some last admonitions to the elders of the Ephesian church. And he says this, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And so uh, I guess by the way that I would, define the work if i was to summarize it what is the work of the elders the job description these are uh, men who have been set apart uh, to specifically pray for the members of their local church Mm -hmm. and to apply the word publicly mainly through the preaching Mm -hmm. of the word of god Mm -hmm. and privately and that's through council house visits whatever it might be over the phone uh, so praying for the flock and applying the word both publicly and privately right. to the flock. But that's the two main things that we're called to do. That you see in Acts chapter 6. Yeah, that I see in Acts 6 and Acts 20. Um, that's the two things that we're to use to kind of oversee with the church. In Acts 20, in Acts 20 it also says to uh, oversee uh, the church as well. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, 
And it gives you that poignant reminder that the church was purchased by the blood of God. <laughs> so so it, it's it's a weighty thing to oversee the church. It's not just merely, um, you know, oversee this group of people. It's oversee this group of people that Jesus became a man, went to the cross and died for to purchase. That's what you're in charge of to, to oversee. Uh, so mainly applying prayer and the word uh, to the body of Christ. Uh, so what would you add to that? What would you... Um, what would you put there as like the job description for elders? Um, well, this is just a uh, a definition that kind of takes a lot of those things from the scriptures that you've read and puts it into kind of one sentence. It says an elder is a pastor, uh, which comes from the Greek word poimen or shepherd overseer, who shepherds or lovingly oversees through protecting, teaching, leading, managing, and caring for the spiritual and practical needs of Jesus's people, which would be his church. An elder is not just a council board member that weighs in on financial decisions and makes plans, but instead he's, he's a pastor. That's kind of putting all those things together uh, that he's called to do by lovingly overseeing, protecting, teaching, leading, caring, all these kinds of, uh, big kind of broad descriptions of what they do so yeah and uh just one quick other thing about that act six passage maybe you can interact with this notice that there was a group of greek-speaking jews and then a group of hebrew-speaking jews and the widows of one of those groups was being neglected the food distribution Mm -hmm. and the people cried out to the apostles who in this case were acting in place of elders because elders had not yet really been appointed because this is pretty fresh in the beginnings of the church in Acts. Mm-hmm. Um, they say, they literally say, like, we, we have to preach the word of God. We can't wait tables. Right. And so then their reaction is, you guys find a group of men who are filled with the Holy Spirit and he gives some things and then we'll pray over them and we'll we'll send them to do this work. Um, I, I just think it's it's interesting. You had, like, some ethnic tension going on here. Mm-hmm. You would think that's a thing that a pastor should immediately jump on. Mm-hmm. But here you have them saying things like, well, we need to dedicate ourselves to prayer and the preaching of the word of God. Right. Uh, what are your thoughts on just that? Um, like, like are, they, they, neg- are they being mean? Are they just saying, like, you know, what are they saying there? <clears throat> well, um, they appoint what would be arguably the first deacons. Right. And the deacons take care of that. And as the deacons take care of it, they serve. Um, so I don't think that the, the apostles functioning in an elder spot there are being mean. I think that actually they're doing what's the best thing. I mean, what, what tensions like this, what, what changes that? Um, the issue is primarily, ultimately the human heart. That's why they're doing that, yeah. right? And so the elders are doing what best serves those people. By the ministry of prayer, word and prayer, these are the means by which God uses to address the human heart. Yeah. And so um, th- there is a situation that needs to be taken care of. And so they say, okay, let's, po- let's appoint these deacons and they can make sure that, uh, that it's going to be fair. Mm-hmm. That everybody that no longer 
will the Greek-speaking Israelites be neglected, um, they will also receive a portion of bread, just like the Hebrew-speaking Israelites. Right. Um, but the, what fixes this is not just that. Yeah, right? exactly. What fixes this is their hearts have to be yeah. transformed by the Word. And so what we need to do is work on ministry of the Word and prayer, which actually ultimately addresses this. Right, yeah. Is giving them the Word... And let their heart be changed. Yeah, so what, what I kind of hear you saying is is that the neglect of these people because of their ethnicity is the symptom of the deeper heart issue, right, that's going on. And that ultimately, making sure it's fair, that might fix the symptom, but what's going to change the heart? That's the word of God right. being applied. So they're actually doing what is the, the greater thing. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um so let's let's look at uh, and not taking their their eyes off the target of that. Right. Yeah. Um, God's word creates God's people, and the second you stop speaking God's word, He's yeah. going to stop working in God's people. <laughs> right. Uh, I think the Bible seemingly the whole Bible story is about that. <laughs> right. Old, we just got done with First and Second Kings. All right. So this next thing is we're going to look at like the qualifications of overseers, of elders, of pastors. Uh, I'm going to read 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, and just let you kind of react, and then I, maybe I'll react to some of these things. We're not going to cover every single one of them. I think you said in your, your last sermon on this, there was what, 20, 21? 21. 21 uh, characteristics. That's if you add Titus. Titus, 1, yeah. 6 through 9. So uh, we're just going to read 1 Timothy 3, but you should know that Titus chapter 1, verses 6 through 9 are also qualifications. Yeah. So uh, 1 Timothy 3 says this, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he might become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he might not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. So maybe take a, a few of those that you want to highlight for us and talk about them. Yeah, um, and you too, but I would yeah. say... Don't don't miss verse one. You, it's easy to jump right into uh, verse two, where you start the list, and you just miss verse one, um, mm -hmm. which is, uh, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Like there should be an aspiring of every single person. You know, like every person in the church, male and female, should aspire to live out these ways, right? Yeah. Every male in the church should aspire to the office of overseer. They might not ever get it, but uh, the onus of responsibility is laid upon, I think, every male in the church to say, well, then I should, I should aspire. And then the elders will take notice of your gifts and your aspiration and say, hey, we see something that the Lord's doing here. Let's, let's talk about you maybe becoming an elder. But... I think every male should 
pursue it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they'll get it. Right. Um, it doesn't mean that the Lord will call them to it. Um, uh, a few of the ones that are maybe, <clears throat> I think, interesting. Um, some of them are pretty straightforward, you know, like be gentle. Don't be quarrelsome. But uh, above reproach is there's no, there's no charge against you that's going to stick ultimately. People can throw charges. They're not going to stick. We all, right. we all know this, this isn't true when people say charges like that. That's kind of the big, broad, junk drawer one. Um, husband of one wife, uh, I would say, uh, based on uh, Greek and Hebrew, you know, there's only one word for man uh, that can also be husband. You know, there's only one word for wife, which can also be woman, you know, so there's gune and anair. Right. And in context, you have to know whether it's saying man or wife, man or woman or husband or wife. And so we, we've translated this, we, ESV has translated this as husband of one wife, which could also be, you know, the, uh, one woman, man, you, you can, yeah. depending. They, they put a footnote down in the ESV that says a man of one woman. Right. So, right. Yeah. So, uh, I think in the con- the context is right that they are. You should think of it in marriage here, uh, and so and there's lots of there's lots of uh, debate here. You know, is Paul addressing uh, polygamy? Um, is is that the case? Um, is it that you just need to have one marriage at a time? Um, the main idea I think that you need to realize is that. Uh, Paul is saying that you need to have a single devotion on one woman. And uh, if you're not doing that, then you're going to have some serious problems as an elder. (laughs) You know, some serious problems. You're going to really make yourself clearly unqualified. Um, I, in a larger picture of bringing in Matthew 19 and, and all the other texts on marriage, I believe one marriage. You get one marriage. Sure. Uh, and I'm a no divorce, no remarriage guy. So um, here I would say, yeah, this Maybe is. Maybe we'll do that on another podcast. Sure, sure. I don't mind doing that at all. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I would say that this is, this is a, uh, a charge for men to be, um, men to be in love with one person. Yeah. And that be forever. And, I would just note, I mean, it's pretty obvious here. It's, you don't have to really do anything out of context here. But uh, when it says husband of one wife, it's speaking to males as yeah. well. So right. men are called to be elders. Yep. There's multiple other places you can see, but uh, I think. But men are called to be elders. The only other maybe uh, most notable is, especially if you compare this to the deacon list, is able to teach. Yeah. So um, that's not in the deacon list, but it is here. And so um, if a man's gifted in all these other things, but he can't teach, then he probably won't be able to do, as you said in Acts 6, the ministry of the word. And so he needs to be able to teach. This doesn't mean he's uh, the most dynamic speaker in the world. And like when he speaks, you know, scores and scores of people get saved every Sunday. It means that he knows how to um, explain the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to people in large settings or small settings. He knows how to do that. Right. And so he's able to teach. Yeah, I would say it's, uh, he's able to apply the word privately and publicly, not necessarily the most gifted 
uh, public speaker, right. per se. And um, he's able to do it competently. Yeah. Like when he talks. He hears false teaching. He can pretty much point you in the word and show you how that's false. Right. He hears good teaching. He can point you in the word and reaffirm it competently. He knows his, he knows his Bible. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think two things I would point out, and this, these are, these are kind of one's particular and one's overall. All of these things except for one thing is character traits, um, which means Paul's not after giftedness as much as he's after God has done a work mm-hmm. in your life mm-hmm. and has made you a good character kind of person. You have mm-hmm. these qualities in your life. Right. The only one that's not that is the able to teach where that's probably leaning a little bit more towards gifting. Right. But even that could be character as well, right? God yeah. did it. God still um, did it. God gets all the glory for all of it. Yeah. If you want to put those two I said together, um, it's, it's, context is amazing, right? And it, it always matters. Yeah. If you put those two things I just said about husband and one wife and able to teach and lift up one chapter away and realize that in First Timothy, this is a pastoral epistle. Like this right. is Paul talking to a pastor, right. telling what churches should look like. If you look at chapter 2, where you t- he tells women um, that he does not permit them to teach or exercise authority over man, rather she's to remain quiet. Um, so you, out of context, you read First Timothy 2, verse 12, and you're like, wow, what's going on here? Well, the able to teach there in chapter 3, and then you have him telling women they can't teach, plus you have husband and one wife. Well, then you're able to make even more, uh, more understanding uh, decisions on what it means for people to be elders, that it's only supposed to be men and not women. And this isn't just cultural here, because as soon as he says that, he goes, for Adam was formed in Eve. So immediately as he does that, he makes an argument by putting the for there. Right. And then he reverts all the way back to creation. And so he's saying, therefore, it's always been a time when... Men should be leaders, not not just now in this church right now in the first century, but also all the way back at creation, which means when we're reading it this time, extended all the way forward to us. So this is a multicultural, multi-generational, always true truth that men should be the leaders. Um, and so uh, th- that's one of the, I think, best arguments for right. uh, male com- male leadership or complementarianism. And I would say in our, our culture today, that's the one that probably gets the most grief. Oh yeah. Right. And, uh, I think obviously me and you, we've talked about doing a podcast on complementarianism, just straight up, um, outlining what the Bible says about that. Right. Um, but you should always remember God's design is always good. It's always good. Absolutely. Yeah. It shouldn't be something that makes us sad or we have to apologize about the, the other thing that I would point out here is he must manage his household well. Uh, let me ask you this. Can, I, can a guy who's single be an elder? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to make sure that if you are single out there that you see this, that even now you don't have a wife, you don't have children, but you can manage your household now, right? By starting to put some of these practices in your own life um, that you would – have you would naturally pour into your wife you would wash her with the word well you need to be washing yourself with the word mm-hmm. uh you're raising your children up in the discipline of the Lord. well you need to make sure that you've got spiritual disciplines being raised up in your own life so uh this is not just a um uh for for you know married people so to speak so he must manage his household well that one really for me it there 
there's a principle here that our house, the way we run our house kind of impacts the way we view church mm-hmm. and church in a really bigger sense is just a house kind of, it's like the right. household of God, right? Family. The overseers are running it. They're, they're ordering it mm-hmm. and making sure that the word of God is prominent and at the center. Well, in that same way, the way to aspire is to make the word of God the center of your house now, whether you're single or married. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that one for me has been kind of one of the most eye-opening ones that there's just a, there's a good, just smaller analogy of your household right there. And then how are you doing there? Right. Uh, that's a, a good place to go for aspiring to this office. Uh, so some of the qualifications we talked about, um, how about, how, how should elders carry themselves? Like, how does that look, I guess, in the nitty gritty, right. You know, church life, all these things that we've been, the job description. Um, I think that, uh, first Peter chapter five gives good, um, advice towards what it looks like to be an elder, like on the ground, what are the way that they should, what is their attitude? So in first Peter chapter five, starting in verse one, it says, so I exhort the elders among you as fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker of the glory that is going to be uh, revealed shepherd. The flock of God does among you exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you not for shameful gain, but eagerly not domineering uh, over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are longer be younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And at the proper time, he may exalt you. So that's verses 1 through 6. And so as you're looking at that, I think that uh, it tells you really like, okay, first in verse 4, Jesus is the chief shepherd here. Um, he's the senior pastor. He's the he's the top of the org chart. So pastor elders, if you ever feel like, man, this weight's too heavy, just always remember you, you're putting it on the wrong shoulders. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's Jesus's weight. But he does tell pastors just a few things there that are really helpful. Like the way that you do things, you should shepherd, you should be the poyman, you should exercise oversight, you should lead, you should teach. Um, we know that from first Timothy three and even second Timothy four. Um, but the way in which you do these things, he tells us in first Peter five, which is that you should do willingly, not under compulsion. Like you should want to, it's not your job. Mm-hmm. I get paid to do this. So I got to do it. Right. That's not why. Right. Yeah, yeah. Instead, I want to, I want to serve Christ by loving these people. You should do it eagerly, not for shameful gain. Um, so you shouldn't do it for money, right? It's, it's interesting. He doesn't say not for shameful gain. He doesn't say, so the opposite is for unshameful gain, like yeah. honest money earning. Instead, he says eagerly. Like, he, even, he changes categories almost. It's like you should eagerly want to care for people. Um, and he says not domineering over people in your charge, but instead uh, gentle and as a good example, like you want to be kind and gentle. That's the way you should do it. And also he ends with verses five and six. You should be humble. Like pastors should be humble people. That's the way in which you should pastor is not under compulsion, but wanting to not for shameful gain, but eagerly being a good example and being humble. Yeah. And, uh, I Those think are, of, you know, Philippians to humility is basically defined as treating other people as more important than yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So pastors literally are, they're putting their flock in front of them. They're saying these people's needs and 
what God wants to do through these people is more important than myself. That's literally what Jesus did in the incarnation. Literally. I mean, literally (laughs) left heaven and came to earth to save us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I guess let's just talk application just for a few, few minutes and then we'll be done here. Okay. Um, How does this relate to community mission and care? At Remedy, how does the idea of having elders relate to community mission and care? Right. At Remedy, um, I think the best way to answer that is what you referenced in the beginning in Acts chapter twenty. So Paul is sailing back to Jerusalem to take the money. He wants to meet with the Ephesian elders. He knows that if he goes to Ephesus, like he'll spend too much time there, and because he loves the people so much, like he loved the people of Ephesus so much. So he literally can't go to Ephesus because it, it'll break his heart too much and he'll spend too much time. So he stops at Miletus and right. just says, go get the Ephesian elders and bring them down to Miletus so I just have to talk to them. And let me give them some, some, some last instruction so I can go into Jerusalem. So he doesn't even go to Ephesus. He stops at Miletus um, and he calls the Ephesian elders down. And he has this long kind of talk with them where you can get... Uh, a lot of pastoral responsibilities and how it relates, I think, to community mission care. And then as you read it, like the 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 goodbye there that they have, if you read that yeah. whole passage, 17 yeah. through 38, it's unbelievably emotional. Mm-hmm. Like Paul's crying, they're it's crying, crying I'm not crying, you're crying, everybody's crying, right? Yeah. And then they walk him all the way back to the boat because they know, like there's no FaceTime, there's, there's no flights, I'll just come back. No Zoom. No Zoom calls. It's like this is literally the last time we're ever going to see you, likely. And it was. Yeah. And so it's just, they really care for each other. And so when you see that, um, when he's talking to them, uh, he says a few things to them uh, in that kind of charge of the Ephesian elders that I think tell us how it relates to community mission and care. So if you get to verse 18, um, he says, uh, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia, which means Paul was with the people like Paul was a shepherd that smelled like sheep. And so how does that relate to communication care? We're, we're supposed to actually be with each other. Like all the time, we should be with each other. We should never not, uh, we should never withdraw mm-hmm. into where we're just not around people. We yeah. be in the community, always be in the community. Um, another one is if you keep going, how he said in verse 19, I serve the Lord. Our desire should do this. We should, um, with tears, deeply desire to continually serve the Lord, uh, in this work. And so that's mission. Like mission is serving the Lord. He also says that, uh, in verse 20, how he didn't shrink from declaring the word. Uh, he also says it in 27. So part of community mission care for the elders is teaching God's word, faithfully applying the word, calling for repentance, calling for faith as they apply the word. Um, in verse 22 and 23, he said that, uh, and now I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the spirit and the Holy Spirit's testifying. So he's talking about going to Jerusalem, but he's also saying my life as a pastor is dominated by the spirit leading me. The way that I live as a pastor is totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Yep. And so um, the way you do community mission care is that all of us as members depend upon the Holy Spirit. Um, verse 24 is maybe the most popular in all this section. Uh, it's the life verse most people use, but I do not account my life of any value nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Um, 
So a way a pastor does this is that above everything, they treasure Jesus supremely. Yeah. Joe Powell said that, or not Joe Powell, Joe Mueller <laughs> said this to me one time uh, whenever he's talking about elders. He said, elders, first and foremost, before they're pastors, they're Christians, mm-hmm. uh, which means they need a savior because they're sinners too. They have a function and role similar as a father. They're called to protect and nourish God's family. And they should model this by uh, keeping their eyes on Christ because they need Christ in their life personally. They're, they're called to minister the word publicly and privately, but they also need to minister the word to themselves. Yeah. Um, and so in verse 24, you see Jesus, or you see Paul treasuring Jesus because he's saying the most important thing to me, to me is uh, living for the glory of Christ. Yeah. Um, also, ministering with a clear conscience in 25 and 26, watching over the... The souls of people in 28, be careful to, for, to be, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made, made you overseers to care for the church of which God obtained with his own blood. So he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, right. which means watch yourself like we just talked about, but then also watch over. So community mission care, like care about other people's souls. Like if you see things going on in their life, like take the initiative to go talk to them and care about what's going on in their life. Um, don't be a passive church member. Right. Um, but get with the, especially if you're in a community group, the people that God has put in your community group care about your own soul and care about their souls. Yeah. Um, he also tells them a couple other things to avoid greed and work hard versus 33 and 35 and to love the flock in 36 through 38. That's the, Whenever they're separating, they're like, okay, we got to go. You see just an enormous amount of love that they have and that churches or pastors should do this as well. They should, they should deeply love people. And so when I think about community mission care, um, those are the things I think about, like mm-hmm. that, the way it should look. But there should be a deep love for people. Like if people move, it, it stinks. Like when, when people move from Remedy to go other places and they move to Colorado, Joel, um, it stinks, right? Joel Bowen. It makes us. Uh, it makes us sad, and yeah. we know that. You know, we, we know that we can see Joel again, right? I can FaceTime him or Google Meet him or Zoom call him, uh, but it's not the same. It's not the same. If it, coronavirus has taught us anything, yep. uh, it's not the same. It's definitely not. Yeah. Uh, just in case you guys were wondering, uh, <laughs> that is literally the entire sermon that Fudd preached to me and David while we were being installed <laughs> as elders. I said a lot more. I'm having a little bit of PTSD going on right now uh, with the dauntingness of that. Um, It's really there. It's all there in Acts 20. Uh, I guess I would just add uh, a few more kind of summarizing statements. Kind of what we were saying at the beginning with the, you know, the neglect of these widows with the bread. That's just a mere symptom of a heart thing. Well, that's the negative way, right? It's a negative symptom of a sinful heart. Mm -hmm. Well, community mission and care, those are symptoms of a heart that's following after Jesus. And the way that that's going to be called into existence is through the proclamation of God's word being applied to our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so that's one just very practical way that elders are involved in community mission care, even if they're not intimately in it, which I think they should, they smell like sheep, right? Uh, But one way that they're very practically involved in it is they're preaching God's word and God is calling those things into existence. Um, uh, in his people. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's saying, let light shine exactly. out of darkness. Yeah. Yep. Second Corinthians four, six. Yep. 
Um, and he does that by us ministering the word. Ex nihilo, out of nothing, into something. Um, I want to read, this is the concluding thought. I'm going to read a quote from a book by Jeremy Rennie. And it's, it's called Church Elders. So if you want to read more about uh, just kind of a summary statement of what you know church elders are and who they are and what they're called, their job description, what the Bible says about it. But this is just so, this, this puts three kinds of camps in front of us. Uh, we, we just had someone walk in the studio um, in the middle of our podcast. Jeffrey Polina <laughs> joining us in part, our Remedy Church the, podcast part studios. Of the, part of the Polina band. I mean, the Polina gang. I mean, the, the Polina boys. The Polina boys are here. <laughs> so let me read this quote real quick, and then we'll get off. Um, uh, Jeremy Rainey says it this way. What if instead of falling through Wait, the cracks... Wait, is that the guy from the Avengers? No, it's not, oh. but It's not Hawkeye. It's Jeremy Rennie, okay. not Renner. Okay. All right. Uh, what if indeed of what if instead of falling through the cracks we use a different image straying from the flock that picture seems to fit or be more fitting for two reasons first straying implies that a disconnected church member bears a personal responsibility to stay involved with the congregation sheep don't ordinarily leave a flock by inadvertently plummeting into a void like a crack through the floor uh, they wander away over time through a series of choices and then second, the image of straying sheep also suggests that someone should keep watch over the flock and take action when a sheep begins to meander away. Yes, each member has a personal responsibility not to roam, but all church members have a duty to watch out for one another. However, one group in particular has an obligation to be on the lookout for straying sheep, the elders. And so I would just say this is application. If you see someone meandering away from the local church mm-hmm. that's something that the elders are concerned about they want to know about that so that we can seek out the lost sheep right the wandering mm-hmm. sheep uh, but also as church members we have an obligation to care and look out for one another as well right um, everyone's aspiring right. to the office that yeah. hawkeye man that's a good stuff <laughs> and with that with hawkeye we're now done so we'll see you next time on the right. at remedy y'all have a good one <laughs>